This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Now about this time last year I spoke to our next guest who was just getting used to the whole COVID reality uh, in his retail business which has remained open ever since. It's Tommy Hickson from Hickson Supervalue in Tullow. Good morning Tommy. Morning John, how are you? Not bad thanks. It's been a hell of a year and hard to believe it's a year. In many ways it's flown but a year ago seems like a different world. Um, yeah, certainly so. Um, it has uh, been probably the most stressful year of my life in retail anyway, and most stressful uh, year in everybody's life uh, since, you know, in a long, long time because of uh, what has happened. And uh, who would have guessed at this time last year we'd be still talking about uh, COVID and uh, coronavirus a year later. Yeah, and how's it been for you? Soon. Yeah, and how's it been for you, Tommy? Just talk us through it. I suppose when it happened first, um, you know, we all thought it'd be over by the summer and this is going to be grand. Like, um, when when the lockdown happened, um, it happened very quickly. And the first thing, and if you remember the first lockdown, we had no masks and um, there was very little um, uh, protective measures that we knew, you know, we did, we, we kind of knew what we had to do, but uh, we were we were not wearing masks. And that's We were looking at Italy on the television as well, weren't we? Yeah, we were, and I suppose the first thing we had to do was, we had to, like, when I got out of bed in the morning, I had to manage my own fears, and I said, right, you have to go into work, you have to lead your team, um, and then you went in and you had to, you know, get the managers and the staff to, uh, you know, work as best we could, um, and manage their fears and say, right, uh, and we had three or four staff who, you know, when you actually sat down and spoke to them, their underlying health conditions were, um, you know, severe enough that they had to make the decision that they couldn't work. So then we had, you know, you, you manage the customers, and um, I don't mean manage because we had to manage how they felt and how they how they uh, worked and uh, around the shop, and, and uh, uh, there was a, a big education there for us all. Um, and nobody knew, nobody had the definitive view at the time. It was very much a learning process from day one. So even when the HSE came in to do the first order with us, they were saying, "Right, what are you doing?" Uh, we showed them everything that we were doing to say, yeah, very happy, we bring that elsewhere, and we spotted this somewhere as that might work for you, and we said, yep, yeah, like that. Um, so from fundamentally from our back door to our front door, it changed everything we did. Our online sales were 1.5% of our business uh, before the, the lockdown. It went to 12%, and it's still hovering at 10 so people, and that's a huge extra cost in anybody's business because you're picking the order, you're delivering it, you're, you know, you extra costs, extra labour. And so be it, that's the way. We, we would have done a lot of free deliveries anyway, so they stayed there. Um, and a lot of our elderly customers um, emailed and phoned in their orders who, who wouldn't be tech savvy. Um, they, so we had phone in orders to gather up and get that out. So it fundamentally changed, you know, our deliveries at the back door, everybody's wearing masks, we had hand sanitizers everywhere. Uh, one of the big challenges in the first three weeks was actually getting hand sanitizer, and a bottle of hand sanitizer went from 25 euros to 125 euros, and gloves went from six euro box to 38 euros a box, uh, because they weren't there. Yeah, they weren't there. It, it's um, amazing to think back because those those memories come flooding back when you put it like that. We've forgotten about the shortage of PPE and the shortage of hand sanitizer yeah. and all that, and yeah. presumably protective screens and all that for your staff too, which are a reality yeah, and the floor did. markers and where to queue and all. Floor ha- markers, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and that was and that was all. You, you you were starting from zero. You were literally starting from zero and ringing around and uh, uh, ringing around and saying, "Where can we get these?" Like you know, 
and the screensavers we met them up we got perspics up in the local hardware store I think we were the uh, one of the first um, supervisors I have a Joe Tool there in the centre in uh, in Tullow um, I went in there one day to get these the next thing I seen a screen and I said where did you get those got them across the road in Doyle's I said alright we're, we're on the ball of that and we went across and did the same um, and that helped it, it was about easing people's fears and getting people to um, you know uh, just just to feel that they were safe um, and there was a huge amount of work involved in that and as we got as we grew more into the you know I won't say grew more into but as we got more confident um, it, it did help but it's still it's day in day out um, the third wave was probably probably the, the, the hardest in some respects in that we really realised that we had to double down and I don't blame the government for opening up at Christmas because people were probably going to ignore any guidelines anyway. They wanted to meet their families at Christmas. They had enough. And uh, I'd say the government recognised that, that no matter what we say, it's going to be ignored. Mm. Um, there was a lot of controversy, uh, I think it was last week, about uh, the assistant medical officer saying people could, if they could just do a little bit more. Have you identified stuff that people are getting a bit lax on? Or, you know, yeah, what's I your thoughts on that? Yeah, in the first lockdown, everything shut down. So the food industry was, uh, the, the only people open were the supermarkets and uh, convenience stores that could supply food. So all the restaurants and takeaways were shut. So we were literally feeding everybody. And that was a huge, um, now we were never going to, we're never going to run out of food in Ireland because we produce so much, okay? But if you want a certain sauce, you mightn't get the 340 per minute, but there's three other sizes available in it. It's not the end of the world. Like There's red sauce going to be available there big push on pasta all right at the time uh, because people stored up their you know put, felt that they had to have loads of pasta at home and loads of um, cereals because they're going to run out like you know they're not going to run out and, and it's proven I'd say there's still pasta at home and pressed it hasn't been used yeah um, what about toilet so, paper Tommy there was a lot of uh, did you have yeah, any riots no, no riots. And that was actually something, that was a total misnomer. Most of the toilet paper is, is made in Ireland anyway. That came from Australia, to my belief, that there was a problem in Australia, which had nothing got to do with Ireland at all. And it, it was, now, a simple stuff, like everybody that was working at working in their offices and going to school were, without being rude, doing their business during the day elsewhere. Now, all of a sudden, they were at home. So there was a bit of a push in toilet roll to get toilet roll, but it was very... Well, we we ran we didn't run out of Tyler Roll at all, like you know. And what um, about supply lines in general, um, Tommy? And of course, I, I I wasn't wanting to talk about Brexit, of course, but you know, ha, supply lines in general are have they remained robust and has yeah, they, Brexit made yeah, any difference? Robust and, and in fairness to Musgraves, who who supply the Supervision Central Group, um, would have very strong. That that is their business. They're a logistics company by and large. That's what they do. So they had they, they were able to dial things up and get things right. Uh, they sent all their staff home from their offices. They did everything to make the, their business safe. So what, I suppose what happened is you take um, any company, you know, take Super Value, uh, we have probably a range of 10 different sausages. So we said, right, let's concentrate on three sausages, make them, and forget about the other seven at the moment. We don't need the other seven. We just need to make sure the sausages on the shelf. And there was a lot of that where we fine-tuned what we did. So we took, we and the same with all the, the companies, we would have taken... Uh, deliberately taken out maybe three or four hundred lines of chill goods that we said we don't need those we just need to concentrate on the basics and we'll introduce the, we'll bring the others back online as we get production and that was the right decision to do because as you, as you know the meat plants some of the meat plants had to close lines and they had to they were affected by it um, so we we just concentrated on key core lines probably and a good decision anyway regardless of COVID is that something that you'll carry post-COVID? 
Um, no, well, we're back up to speed now, almost. There's some uh, things. Now, there, there are issues with Brexit. Um, there, I think um, pet food is a, is a bit of a problem at the moment. There's about 200 lines in pet food. Not in the Irish and in the own because they're made in Ireland. Uh, but um, some chum and kitty can, other, other lines are not available there at the moment. And that's, that's a, neat, a, bre- a Brexit issue. Some hardware lines, anything coming through England, if they don't have the proper paperwork done, there are supply issues with, with Brexit. But nothing, nothing that's out of the army, nothing that hasn't been. We'd loads of time to prepare for Brexit, John. Yeah. We'd um, to prepare for it. On the whole, you mentioned masks and the public and protection, and we were talking about queuing systems. I've seen videos um, over the months of, largely in the States, but some in Ireland too, of people kind of almost getting into tussles about wearing masks and all that. How's it going for you, and how do you deal with somebody coming in not yeah. wanting to wear a mask and all that? Um, but by and large, we, we have been, it has been 99.9% of customers want to wear masks. And they want other customers to wear masks. And they actually, I've seen customers challenge people and say, look, if we need, why aren't you wearing a mask? And some people genuinely have a reason they can't wear a mask. I suppose the approach is you're trying to, you ask people, if somebody hasn't got a mask, you ask people, you know, some people actually genuinely forgot the mask and you, you supply them with a mask and everything is okay. And if they say, no, I don't, I have an exemption or whatever, well, you know, okay, we're going to serve you this time. Can you wear a mask when you're in? You're not in the store for more than five or ten minutes. Can you wear a mask? And it's to protect you and protect other customers. And then you you have to make a decision, you know, on a case by case basis. Um, we had we had a couple of incidents where we had jokers in in the beginning, thought coronavirus was very funny, and uh, were actually coughing on some of our staff. And uh, um, we had to call the guards, and that some of them will be before the courts. Yeah, wow. They thought it was funny. Yeah, and, and that wasn't nice. Our staff got very upset over that. And understandable. Um, well, yeah. So, um, but look, by and large, the mask issue. People want to wear the masks. They see it as, and even the evidence is coming forward. The flu season is um, is very much at a, at a low ebb this year because uh, you know because people are wearing masks and they're not mixing as much, and international travel has been avoided. So you know there there is evidence there that it's it's working and that has helped stop the spread. Like you know. okay, well look, Tommy, um, I'm sure I speak for the 99.9999% of our listeners who are, uh, you know, expressing admiration for the work that you you and your staff and people like you in thousands of shops throughout the country are doing. You're on the front line as well, so um, well done a year in and keep the faith, keep safe and keep going. And, and, and I suppose it's very important that I thank my management team, Trish and John and Brendan uh, and all the lads, all the staff, They've worked so hard over the last year. Uh, they've been brilliant. Uh, our customers have been amazing. Um, there's, there's no, you know, if we can't do something, they're saying that's grand. We'll get to you. Um, and especially the first six weeks were just so difficult. Um, and then we got better and better at it. And look, it's part of what we do now. That's the reality. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be part of what we do for a good while to come. Yeah. Uh, well, so, Tommy, uh, um, best of luck to you and regards to everyone in Tullow. No bother. Thank you, John. Take Thank care. you. Take it easy. That's okay. uh, Tommy Hickson of Hickson's Super Value in Tullock. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.omf.ie.